1: Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. And this is your daily NBA betting podcast in the Action Network brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Glad to have you with us. I'm joined today by Albert Wynn a.k.a. the Analytics Capper. You can follow him on Twitter at Analytics Capper, as well as the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get up the second information where the bets and money you're coming in on. You can track line movements. So if there's that one number that you're looking to get, on a game, on a total, on a prop. You can track those in the Action Network app as well as you get all of our great content, all of our great podcasts. It's bowl season. I know that Big Bets on Campus will have a great preview for all the bowls, college basketball starting. They'll be on that. We've got the Favorites podcast. We've got so much great stuff. Check it out, the Action Network app. All right, this as always, on Mondays. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we try and give you a weekend recap, like what's been going on in the league since last we spoke to you. Where are we at? We try and do that through the prism of futures betting. Typically we focus on awards, but Albert, because we're now 20% of the way, 25% really of the way through the season. First quarter of the season is done So, I thought it'd be a good time to go ahead and look at the big picture. And let's talk a little bit about the NBA title. I think that, When I'm betting the title, I build positions through the year, so it's okay. If you're asking me when the actual best time to bet a title is, I'm going to lean towards before the playoffs. But a lot of people want to get in earlier. They want to get those longer numbers. And if you have a strong feeling on a team, obviously now you can get some of those better numbers. What's your general feeling on betting title futures earlier in the season, even though we're more of the way through, I think, than most people think?
0: Yeah, I think I alluded to this in the past. Well, first of all, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a good time there, Matt. Um, But I don't really do a lot of futures in in terms of like my personal bets. Outside of that, I actually do NBA titles futures. So I do like it. I I think um, to me, it's a lot easier than, you know, player awards or team awards, things like that. And for someone like you who like to build a portfolio in the futures market, I think the titles... And the the future odds with with title odds are are really good or really ripe. So I mean we're gonna go in into a few teams here that are front runners right now, but I think there are a couple teams you know lurking on the outside that can you know get into or sneak into the top five. Let's
1: we'll start right at the top and at FanDuel Sportsbook official sponsor of buckets. The Celtics obviously are the number one team plus four hundred to win the title four to one. Look, uh the resume here is pretty much impeccable. Um if we look at this across any sort of metric that you want, best record in the league at 16 and 4. They're the number one uh, adjusted net rating at dunks and threes with the number one offense at 121. They are currently currently holding the number one offensive rating in NBA history. Now, this doesn't say as much as you might think it would, because if you look at, at basketball reference, numbers two through 10 are all teams from 2021. And then there's like the, there's t- uh, the Sacramento Kings are here. The Suns are here from this year. We've just seen this kind of, inflation of offensive numbers, I think, to the point where I'm starting to wonder if they have to adjust something on the possession side to try and regulate these numbers a little bit. Uh, The Celtics have the 18th best defensive rating adjusted for schedule. That's been better in the last couple of weeks. First couple of weeks, they really were bottom 10 and they've slowly started ticking their way up. They were flirting with 14th and have slid a little bit in the last couple of days. There's an expectation that that will improve. I can't get an accurate power rating on them I, I I can't do it. Like the numbers for me come out to like ridiculous uh, figures on them. Like I have them. Well, let me put it this way. I have them five points better than the second best team on a neutral court. That's absurd, but there's yeah. just simply no way to get around it. Given how they've dominated teams. They've been awesome against the spread. They've been awesome straight up. The question here, and I think the Celtics are fascinating. Um, it really is. This is. Do we think that this is who the Celtics really are? Is this who the Celtics are going to be for the next seven months? Are the Boston Celtics, if the Celtics win the title, we'll look back at this and say, you could have gotten plus 400 on a team that told you you exactly. were the best team in the league. And okay. you could have gotten that early. Should we believe them based off of what they've told us with their play, which is that they are by far the best team in the NBA.
0: We should definitely, definitely believe them. Getting 4-1 to odds on a team that's... I can't name three other teams that are better. So just from that rationale standpoint there, I think it's, um, you know, Boston Celtics are the play. And we've seen this happen not only once or twice, but this is a frequent occurrence in the NBA where you lose the title and the very next year you come back and you come back with a vengeance and you come back to win it, right? We saw it with the The Warriors against the Cavs. We saw it against the, with the Cavs against the Warriors. We saw um, the Spurs losing to the Heat. The Heat losing to the Mavs. All these teams that lost the previous year, they come back stronger. They're Hungrier and they are just you know ripe to win the title. I think Celtics at plus four hundred is great. They still don't even have their best defensive player yet into the fold, and Robert Williams. Um, Obviously, we're gonna get some type of regression here with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're just shooting out of their minds right now, but I don't think it's gonna go down that much. To be honest, I think this team is super uh, motivated. Like I said, and they have the perfect mix of young guys. Um, you know, five to seven year guys and then like older um, veterans like Al Horford to keep them afloat. So I think it's a perfect team. I think they're going to continue to roll through the NBA regular season and with the home court advantage in the playoffs four to one, this is amazing odds. All right. So I'll push back a little bit.
1: Um, for starters, this team was really mediocre offensively last year. Like they just were even during their huge run. They were still just like, yeah, pretty good offensively, but not really elite. And we saw in the playoffs that that was really their problem is versus the Bucs. They had a hard time scoring and versus the Warriors. They couldn't stop turning the ball over. And now all of a sudden, they're the best offense that we've ever seen without what I would say is a top five player in the league. Tatum has played like it. Right. So Tatum is, is top six in MVP odds. And I think that right now I'd have to have him somewhere between third and fourth, depending on how I kind of settled on things. Do Is that like, is this just who Jason Tatum is? Like, is Jason Tatum just here? What really? And even then like his numbers don't really stack up against the other MVP candidates. I, I posted the numbers on Twitter at HB basketball on Monday morning. The numbers don't really suggest that. Now what's interesting is, If we're going to say that there's going to be offensive regression, I'd have to be able to point you to a figure that says like, aha, this this is where the smoke and mirrors come from. But second spectrum data that's got expected field goal percentage based off of shot location, uh, contest level and the shooter. Most importantly, there's two different measures There's one that factors the shooter and one that doesn't. It basically says that the Celtics are shooting slightly above what you would expect. Just really good. (laughs) It's second best in the league in terms of their differential between expected, with the Kings being number one. I think that that's weighted because the numbers are going to be like the Kings are not good, and the Kings are like, well, no, we had to not be terrible. I think that the Celtics are slightly overperforming. I guess like here's the question: is what is it that uh, what is it about this offense that makes them so good? Like, what are we able to point to and go? Like, with the Bucks, their offense has been very uh, mediocre this season, but they're without Chris Middleton. When they were dominant offensively, I could go, like, well, look, Giannis is a fucking tank, and they have shooters everywhere. With Golden State, it's, well, look, when you have the combination of Steph's gravity, their passing style, and Draymond as a as a connector, that's an elite combination. With the Nuggets, I'm able to say, like, well, Nikoli Jokic simply raises the offensive floor with his reads. What do you think it is about Boston that makes that justifies them being really this good offensively?
0: So I'm, I'm higher on Jason Tatum than you are. he's um, 24 years old. He's in the prime of his career before the last three or four games of the NBA finals last season, he was playing like the best player in the Eastern conference. That's including uh, Giannis and Kevin Durant. Um, So I think he's making huge strides. This is what year four, Five, year five or six for him. So this is when you become an NBA superstar, a first-team all-NBA performer. And I think Jason Tatum has made that stride. I think the rest of the team has gotten better too. Again, I mentioned we don't have Robert Williams yet. There's no um, Danilo Gallinari yet. But I think their bench is going to be really good. They have Brogdon coming off the bench, who is a sneaky six-man-of-the-year candidate. And the rest of the team has been doing really well. I think if you have a team that really... Uh, believes in their system and they're running the same system as, as last season and they're getting out on the fast break. You just have a lethal team. And again, this is a regular season discussion here. And I don't think teams can compete with them on the regular season basis because you're not scheming for it. You're not really game planning for it. And when you're out there, you know, when the ball tips off and you're going talent for talent, the Boston Celtics are just one of the more talented teams in the NBA. Okay. Well, you said that this is a regular season discussion, but we are talking title we'll shift to kind of like the playoff, like looking
1: far ahead for a second. What mm-hmm. I want to ask is this question. How often do we actually know who the best team is in December or who's going to win the title? Like here's a good look at the teams that have won the title and their odds as of December 1st, which is in just a few days. Mm-hmm. So the golden state warriors last year were plus 600. This is a pretty good comp here because if we just say like, look, last year the, the warriors were plus 600 and we knew from the first two months of the season that they had been the best team in the league. Like it, Before the injuries set in, before Draymond got hurt, everyone was kind of like, yeah, the Warriors are the best team in the league. After that's when the Suns took the lead and then they were the best for the remainder of the year. So now we have kind of the same deal where the Celtics get off to this extremely hot start. And we've seen there's been some research. It's a little shaky, but there's been some research that says that how you play in the first two months of the season actually has a stronger correlation to playoff success than the middle two months or the last two months. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of, of suggestion that this is that this number is appropriate. Um, the Bucks two years ago on January 1st, which would have been like that's basically around the same time if we adjust for when things got um, adjusted for COVID, were also plus 600. The Lakers on December 1st in 2020, or in 2019-20 season when they won before the shutdown, were plus 295. Little bit of bush there because the, with with LeBron and the Lakers, you're going to have a big public push behind them. Uh, the Raptors won in 2019. They were actually plus 800, obviously, one of the more unlikely runs that we've seen. And then yeah. we get into like the super teams here. And we got the, the Warriors in 2018 were minus 170. The Warriors in 2017 were minus 135. The Cavs True. were plus 260 in 2016. But that's what the Warriors obviously being like minus whatever, when they were on pace with the best record of all time. And then 2015, the Warriors, that was the first year of them, they were plus 800. My point here is largely that the, this number sits somewhere in between when we've had a better kind of separation of teams in terms of there hasn't been like one dominant super team. The, nope. the Celtics are somewhere in between. They're between what the super team numbers are, Um, As another example, the Miami Heat in 2013, plus 185 on December 1st. So we've got this number at 400 that's between where there's a super team and the idea of like a parity structure, which is kind of what we've seen the last couple of seasons since the Warriors in 2019. I think with the Celtics, the best way I can kind of describe it, let me know what you think about this. You have to decide if you think that this is legit and that this can hold all the way through. And if you buy in, then this number should be a lot closer to plus 200. If you don't, then you need to look, if you're actively looking at the bet now, if you're just like, I don't think that they're this good, then you're going to get value on the other teams because it's kind of like the NFL where the the number is between, it's like four and a half, right? Like it's not three,
0: it's not seven. That's where the Celtics number is to me. Yeah, I mean, four 400 is still... You, you still have to err on the side of caution when it comes to the Celtics because you're right. They are playing at an astrom- astronomical level here, greatest offense of all time. But I do believe in this team. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say it again. I think when you have one of the top players in the league, and I think Jason Tatum at age 24 is becoming that in year five, year six, I forgot the exact number of years there drafted in 2017, I believe. But um I just think once you have a a top candidate, MVP candidate, you are destined to be a top four team in the league. So a conference finals at the very least. The fact that this team went through it already last season. And like I said, I laid it out earlier. I think uh, so many teams have done that where they make it to the promised land and fail right at the very last step. I think this team really just galvanizes them moving forward. And the thing is, I don't even think they're, really that focus on the regular season. I think they want to get healthy and they want to peak in the, you know, in the postseason. But with that being said, they're just again, they're just so good, Matt. I like it's it's tough to bet against them night to night, even if the spot yeah. is against them, because when you're just looking at each of these games in a vacuum, Boston Celtics are just better than everyone. Yeah. But if you're looking at the big picture, sure, there are other teams that are uh, com- contenders or competitors. You know, the Warriors, um, the Bucks, teams like that. But on a night-to-night basis, there's just not many teams that can beat the Boston Celtics.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this is recording this on Monday night or Monday at midday, and uh, the Celtics are on a back-to-back. Jalen Brown's questionable. Al Horford's out. Tatum should be back for this one. There, he's not on the injury report and I'm laying 10 and a half of them just because I'm just like, look, the number says yeah. that this is where, what what like, there's clearance here. The number says that I have a gap between what the number should be and this. They've just been that dominant. Um, you made a good point there about the conference finals. So uh, we kind of touched on this when, when Brandon and I did our how to bet uh, title futures in the preseason. You can go back and listen to that episode. One of the things that I really kind of focused on was you have to believe that that team can get to the final four. Like We mm-hmm. don't talk about the final four in the NBA, but if you believe that they can get there, then that, that, then that pick probably has value from the perspective of you're going to have hedge opportunities, right? If Boston makes the conference finals and they have home court, which you would expect based on their track, like their projected record, then you're going to have them probably as a favorite in the conference finals, which allows you a small hedge opportunity. And then depending on who they face, like Golden State, it would probably be close right even after last year if the celtics have a definably better record but if it's here's the other thing is is you do I, I started i ran into this problem is how many teams do i think can actually beat the celtics in 7 games yeah no. and i don't i just don't have that many it, it's basically i know the bucks can i think the cavaliers i know this is crazy but i just i'm going to put the nets in in the conversation <laughs> with kevin durant um, and then maybe, maybe the Sixers, but I would bet heavily on the Celtics given now Horford versus Embiid matchup. And that's it. Like that, that, those are the only teams. And they're only going to have to face two of those to get to the conference finals. Nope. So, um, from that perspective, there probably is value if you're somebody that's looking to hedge, but you will have to accept that it's going to get real tight when you get, you may face, maybe they luck out and they face a team that's not in their class in the finals. Maybe the West has shenanigans or, maybe they face a team that they're just massive favorites against in the conference finals. There's those kind of opportunities. I still kind of think that you're buying at the highest price point that you may see over the next five months. Mm. But at the same time, if the Celtics do continue, you're never going to see plus 400 again. This is the last time that you'll see the number.
0: I, I don't even know if this is going out on the limb, but I, I don't, to me, it doesn't matter who they're going to face if they if they make it to the finals. I don't think it matters who they're going to face in the Western Conference Finals. They're going to be favorites. I just think they're far and away better than any team in the West, including the Warriors. Um, even though the Warriors beat them last year, and you mentioned some of the competitors on their contenders on the East, they might only have to play only one of them, right? Because if they're going to finish first, they're going to play a weak team, right? Uh, a play in team, and then the four or five could be like the Hawks or the Pacers. And then, the, the, you know, the Bucs, Sixers, and Nets are all going to beat up each other. So, I mean, they might have a really easy road to the finals. But you're right. A lot of great hedge opportunities. Uh, let's t- go ahead and talk about maybe
1: their biggest threat in the Eastern Conference. And that's the Bucs, who are only plus 500. The Bucs now a pretty impressive start for them, given that they've been without Chris Middleton the entire way. Chris Middleton hasn't played yet. And the Bucs are second in the East, a game and a half back of Boston, even after that hot start, the Bucs are 14 and five. Now under the hood, things get a little bit shakier for the Milwaukee Bucks. They're sixth in adjusted net rating, 18th in offense, first in defense. Their defense has been absolutely incredible. Uh, The argument, I think for betting, the Bucks right now is if you buy into the idea of the best player is what matters. If you're just mm-hmm. like, I just want my money behind who the best player is. Jason Tatum has been phenomenal. Giannis is a whole other thing. Like, Giannis is it, it's it, Luca called him the best player in the world after mm-hmm. the Bucks jumped up and down on the Mavs on Sunday. When, every time I watch the Bucks, like the, the Cavs game, their latest Cavs game, Cavs had the lead. Everything was looking good for the Cavs. And then Giannis has this stretch. However, he just tears through them for like seven minutes. <laughs> and it, I mean, it is That's like an elite Godzilla too. Just rampaging through them. So yeah. th- the Bucks are really good. They have all this defense. They're likely to make a trade at some point to improve, I think, the wing. But ultimately, I think this comes down to They managed to get by Giannis last year just by the hair on their chinny-chin-chins because they had Chris Middleton out. Does that wind up repeating this year? If the Bucs are fully healthy, I'm probably going to bet the Bucs if they face the Celtics.
0: I agree with you there. I'm a huge Giannis believer. Um, I think he's by far the best player in the world. I don't know if that's going to equate to an MVP. That's something we'll talk about later. Um, But you're right, doing this without their second-best player and arguably their best player in the half-court offense and Chris Middleton is super impressive. And I think the one thing that you alluded to is that is very important, the Bucs are going to make a move, and I think it is going to be on the wings. Grayson Allen's played great for them. Um, Wes Matthews has done a serviceable job for them, but they are lacking some athleticism there. They can't rely on Giannis for 100 games, playing 40 minutes, And Bobby Portis to make four or five threes a game. So I think they just need to have, you know, a little more firepower there. And I do think they're going to do it once Chris Middleton comes back. I mean, they're going to be lethal, not only in the open court, but the half court as well. And he's a very good defensive player. So right now at plus 500, I think this is the best value on the board, even though it is one of the favorites.
1: I can't get there at five to one. I'd like to wait and see if they like, if Giannis misses two weeks or if they just go through a stretch of games, because one thing I think is that needs to be noted with Milwaukee. um, They've faced the 27th ranked, Offensive strength of schedule. So the defenses that they face have been easy and their offense has still been pretty middling. And the 28th ranked defensive schedule, those are obviously impacted in small sample by facing Milwaukee, especially when they face multiple teams multiple times. Mm-hmm. But the strength of schedule is not super tough. So I kind of wonder if they're going to come back down to earth a little bit and I can get a better number. Uh, longtime listeners of the show know this team always drives me nuts in the playoffs because I'll be like, yeah, they should win this game. And then they just miss shots. They just, I, Trusting this Bucks offense in the playoffs is really tough. I want to get my money in at the right time with them and then not worry about it in a game-by-game game situation because they are that frustrating to watch. You mentioned that you thought the Bucs are the best value on the board. To me, the best value on the board is the Golden State Warriors at plus 700. Look, I've said this with Brandon on, on the show two weekends ago. Um, this team, the starting five, still has a top five net rating amongst all starting units. With Steph Curry on the floor, they're still absolutely cooking. Steph's having an MVP season. They're starting to get it together. They're playing more veterans. James Wiseman has been sent to the G League. Mm-hmm. They're no longer experimenting with that. They're finding options, and they will continue to find options. And especially if we just look at Golden State, from the like, this is really, I think, an, a key thing when you're talking about title futures. In my opinion, you need to really focus on how good are the starters. Mm-hmm because you can talk yourself into the idea of like, well, they've got really good depth. Okay. But is that depth going to look as good when they're facing a starting unit more and more, even if they keep their same rotation, right? Even if a team keeps this rotation with the bench playing big minutes, the other team will likely play their bench less. Kevon Looney plus 11.6 in net rating Draymond green plus 10.8 Steph 10.6 clay Thompson plus 10.4 and Wiggins plus eight. Now after that, there's a monster drop off. Okay. Cool. That's that's fine. It's fair to point out that they're going to have a hard time in those bench minutes that may not improve. They may not find those answers as the year goes on. But if they have to play there, if it's game six and they need to get play their guys 35 minutes, the Warriors will not burn their guys out in the regular season. The Warriors will will sacrifice wins to make sure that those guys are in that position. And they are still an absolutely dominant team when those guys are on the floor at seven to one for the defending champion who has never lost when they've been had Steph, Clay, and Dre fully healthy for the end of a series, except for 2016. The Grays come back in NBA history, except for that time. They've won every other time. Uh, to me, plus seven to one, seven to one is is great value on Golden State right now.
0: Yeah, I think we mentioned this team a, a few times already. So I agree with the big picture and the the overall sentiments, but I do disagree on just them being a title contender. I think they are. Yeah, I think they are a, a great story. I think the the core there is still one of the greatest ever's. Uh, and you mentioned it when those three are healthy together, they they just don't really lose playoff series. Again, you have to beat this team four times in seven games, so it's super hard. But with that being said, I just think the road is too difficult because I don't think they're going to be able to get a top-four seed in the West. So they're going to have to start on the road um, on all three series most likely. And again, they don't play enough defense. A lot of that, like you said, Matt, is because they, are, they were experimenting with lineups early in the season, and they're not going to run their old guys out there playing 40 minutes a game. So, yes, their ratings are going to be a lot. It's not as desirable as someone like a Boston Celtics when their star player is only 24 years old. But being the 28th-ranked defense is very troublesome for me. I don't think you're going to be able to fix those bad habits overnight. They are going to flip a switch once the playoffs start, but it's hard for a team, for any team, even you know a team with the greatness of Steph Curry, to just flip a switch from the 28th-ranked defense in the entire league to playing championship-caliber defense. And I think that's where the difference is going to be.
1: 20th ranked and schedule adjusted. We'll see if the schedule kind of ends their way if they're able to beat up on some teams and raise that number. Um, one long shot I'll throw out here, and I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this. Look, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets are 17 to one. I've made my thoughts very cl- known, very clear on this team. They're the most frustrating team in the league to me. They continue to be that. This team is is under. They are a team that, from a betting perspective, is probably extremely good value right now, whether for the East. Or seating, which you can still get some books, or for the title. Um, the reality is that Nick is playing really well this season. Royce mm-hmm. O'Neal has played really well this season. They had a, th- a lot of things going right for them. There's they have big matchup disadvantages when they face dominant versatile bigs. Those teams give them a lot of trouble. Like Dominus Abonis tears them up, right? They'll have trouble with Nikola Jokic, these type of players. There's not that many in the East. There's just not. Like, you're not worried about Robert Williams. Al Horford will probably do damage versus them. A lot of this is tough because I think that the superstar, big-name marquee guys inflate their value in the market. But I think the perception of them being totally a wreck and just a train wreck probably goes the other way and truncates their value a little bit. Based off of my power ratings and the overall net ratings, like if you just want to look at net ratings – Brooklyn has the 10th best adjusted net rating with the 8th best offense and 19th in defense. They have Kevin Durant who's still awesome. The injuries with him, I think he'll probably miss time at some point. Mm-hmm. But it's 17 to 1 Albert like I I cannot deny as no matter how much I don't want to put money on Kyrie Irving
0: and trust him this team under the hood is really good. So I fully agree. I think the Nets are without a doubt, the third best team in the conference be- behind the Celtics and the Bucks, especially when Buc- the Bucks get Chris Middleton back. Um, I think we need to give Royce O'Neal his flowers, man. Yeah. I think with all the different lineup changes, Kyrie being in and out, Royce O'Neal has played kind of the quasi point guard for that team. And he's had games with 12, 13, 14 assists. You would never expect someone like Royce O'Neal coming out of Baylor and playing at Utah to have that type of, uh, floor game. So, I mean, props to him there. You mentioned Nick Claxton. He's doing well, but I don't think that they have enough, I guess, girth or size inside to really compete with the big boys, especially when Robert Williams comes back, especially when uh, the Bucks are are healthy with Giannis and Brooke Lopez. But uh, from a big picture standpoint, I think this could be Kevin Durant's really last hurrah as, as being a, a true championship contender, Matt. I mean, he's 34 years old, Mm-hmm. Giannis is only 27. Tatum is only 24. You'll only expect those two guys to get better. And um Kevin Durant, like you said, there's always going to be injury concerns. And I mean outside of the the Bucks who I think they have a really good shot at because the Bucks offense is I don't think they can handle the the Nets offense. With that being said, the other team, right, the Boston Celtics swept them in the first round last year and that was with um you know A lot of unrest and a lot of unraveling on on the Brooklyn Nets as well. So, I mean, this is a tough team to cap. It's a tough team to look at night to night. But at 17 17 to 1, you're right. I mean, it's it's good value because you're still getting the top three, top five best player in the world.
1: Let's go to the MIC, Mike, which is the most important cover. This talks about what we saw over the weekend and what's most important to look at. From the weekend, the bucks go to two and zero versus the Cleveland Cavaliers that could really wind up mattering for division bets down the line. Uh, Cavaliers were a very trendy division bet. Look, the Cavaliers I think have been great. I have a hard time. It's basically, does Giannis get hurt for like, how long does Giannis miss time? If he gets hurt, that, that to me is the only way that the Cavaliers are going to be able to take the division. Um, It's just tiebreakers. So they would have to wind up tied, but the bucks really kind of showing that they're a class above on uh, the Cavaliers, even when as good as the Cavaliers been, that was telling to me. It's not definitive. I'm not like ruling the Cavaliers out of playoff success or anything, but it's just like it's a data point in our analysis of the Cavs. I think.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Like you mentioned, Cleveland actually outplayed Milwaukee in that game. I think the most recent game, and it was the five to seven minute stretch that Giannis just went bonkers that really flipped the game. But before that, the guard play of Cleveland was giving Milwaukee fits, and. You know, I think Cleveland is still a work in progress. We know what Milwaukee is. They've been a championship contender now for several years as Giannis is, you know, growing into his the peak of his powers currently. Um, but Cleveland is still a team that's still adjusting and integrating their players. So I do think that Cleveland is only going to get better from here. So I wouldn't say this this you know division bet is dead yet, but um, you know, going 0 2 and not having those tiebreakers are are really big.
1: The Lakers are on a roll. Are the Lakers back, <laughs> or have they just played some shitty teams? Because they've played the Spurs three times, the Pistons, and the Nets, who were in a, a nightlife spot on uh, over the weekend. Um, I'll say this: the Lakers are playing better. They get LeBron back. AD sits right. They're, it's hard getting both of the guys on the floor at the same time. They're just five and five in their last ten. Right for all of like the, the the kind of momentum, they're still just five hundred. Uh, over the last 10 games. I I think a lot of the optimism is just based off of who they've played. I just think that they've played a favorable schedule stretch. I I don't think that the Lakers are one of the worst teams in the league. I don't think that the Pelicans, unless the lottery bounces their way, are going to wind up with a top three pick. But I do think that the Lakers are probably much closer to like a Washington Wizards than they Mm. are to uh, a Cleveland Cavaliers. And so like, look, it's something to build on, but I feel like, I'm a little bit worried. This might be a dead cat bounce a little bit here with the Lakers. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think always getting back LeBron James is a good thing, even though when when he comes back from a handicapping standpoint, I I usually fade those spots. The Lakers are seven and eleven. They're thirteenth in the West. The beauty of this conference right now is everybody is so bunched up. They could go on a three or four game winning streak and you know catapult up to to nine or ten do it again, and they catapult up a couple few spots there. Um, With that being said, I think, uh, like I said, it's a little bit of both. So they are playing better. I think they have their rotations a little more firmed up. It is still Ham's first season as head coach, so he's actually learning on the fly as well. Um, and then they're playing a cupcake schedule. I think it's going to get much harder, but that, with that being said, with LeBron, you know, taking three weeks off due to injury, maybe he's going to be more fresh. Anthony Davis right now taking time off. He's going to be more fresh. Maybe they are going to make some noise in December. We'll see. Um, I'm just intrigued to see if they're going to make any moves from a personnel standpoint.
1: Utah is three and seven in their last 10 and everybody that, you know, did not like this team's construction is like, Oh I guess they're not as good as we thought they were. It's funny. They've still had some really good wins in there of those, like those three wins were really good wins. And they were on, they had a really tough East coast road trip, then came back and had a West coast swing. They faced really tough teams. They're there. Four of their last five are on the road and they caught the Pistons. The Pistons were on the, the altitude back to back, but they basically played the Pistons when the Pistons are playing their best basketball of the season. I don't know how without Kate Cunningham, but like Killian Hayes is playing well. Um, So back-to-backs are also easier early in the season. I I did some numbers on that for Green Dot Daily. You can check it out in the app. They've got six games at home coming up. They're versus pretty good opponents, but they're all revenge spots, right, where they've played the team recently, so they have a little bit more motivation and have a little bit more familiarity with the opponent. Uh, Are you counting – is this it? Is Utah's cute little run over? Are they what I call a mirror team, which they got to November and realized,
0: oh, no, we suck? Or do you think Utah can get this thing back on track? No, I think think Utah's – Legit. I don't think they're trying to tank. I think they're trying to win these games. A lot of the the recent performances, not only the scheduling, but Mike Conley's been out, a few other guys have been out. So it's it's tough to lose your veteran point guard and expect to win. They still have a top four home court advantage in the West behind the Warriors, the Suns, and the Grizzlies. So, I mean, any time anytime that you have a, a top four or top five home court advantage, you should be slated to win 40 45 games a year. So with that being said, I, I like the Jazz moving forward. I still think it's a great spot in terms of night to night handicapping because you're going to get some uh the market undervaluing them. And you know, we love we love our guys like Lauren Marketing and Jordan Clarkson. I think they just continue to deliver. They don't get shy in the big moments and I like this team moving forward still.
1: Dallas is on a really big slide right now and things are pretty rough. They mm-hmm. lost okay they have lost to the Wizards without Bradley Beal, the Nuggets without Nicole Yogic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., or Aaron Gordon rather, the Raptors without Pascal Siakam, and then the Mavs jumped up and down in their heads. Or Don't the, forget
0: about the magic without Ben Carroll, too. Magic
1: without Ben Carroll. Like, it's bad. They're back under 500. There's a big debate going on about Christian Woods' role and whether he should start. I will tell you that the numbers basically say that the Mavs are good when they have Dwight Powell or Christian Wood on the floor. That really hasn't been the problem. What's been the issue has been Spencer Dinwiddie because when Spencer Dinwiddie's on the floor with Luca and Christian Wood, they get destroyed, especially on the defensive end. The defensive numbers when it's just Luca and Wood, fine, pretty good. They're okay. And they win those minutes by a huge margin. Those minutes work, but Spencer and Wood get destroyed And Spencer without either, they get destroyed. Um, So that to me is a bigger deal here.
0: How concerned are you about your uh, local team, the Dallas Mavericks? I'm pretty concerned, man. I'm pretty concerned. I think there's a lot of um, Mavs Twitter, as you know, is going crazy at the moment. This Christian Wood debate, this Jaden Hardy debate, um, Tim Hardaway, Reggie Bullock. I mean, everybody is under the microscope right now. I think the thing that uh, I take away from this is the value Jalen Brunson brought last year and I know that he wasn't going to resign with Dallas. he had his heart in in New York, which justifiably so um but he's just a different player from Spencer Dinwiddie and and I'm a I'm a Spencer fan it's just they're different players and Jalen for being undersized and and um you know not as strong as the other guys on the court. He's just a very solid player not only offensively but he's a good team defender. Uh, guys can't take advantage of them. Uh, when you see Luca and Spencer on the court, that backcourt just allows guys uh, into the the paint left and right. So, I mean, that's going to put a lot of pressure on your interior defense. And the Dallas doesn't have any good, you know, elite shot blockers. Christian Wood is not going to scare anybody. Dwight Powell is undersized. JaVale McGee d- barely plays. So, I I mean, there's a lot of issues, a lot of holes in this roster I think they need to change and and really pivot from being a de- defensive minded team, which I mean got them to the Western Conference Finals last year. I think that was the worst thing that could have happened to this team because it um, it felt like it was expediting their progress, even though uh, last year is because the West was wide open. So I mean I think moving forward, I think Dallas Mavericks need to be able to score better. So that's going to get the the key to that is to get to the. Get the elite offensive players on the court and have them play more. And I think that includes Christian Wood.
1: Finally, Indiana goes to seven and three in their last 10. They've been killing it against the spread and straight up. Took a dip over the weekend versus the Clippers, but in general, have been really good. I asked this question in our Action Network Slack, and Albert, I'll ask you they're plus 360 to make the playoffs right now do you think there's good value on them to not just get the play in, they have to to
0: play their way out of it, but do you think there's value at plus 360 for the Pacers to make the playoffs? I think there is because when you have an elite offense in a regular season, I think it's harder to play against an elite offense than an elite defense in 2022. I think that in this new age of the NBA, if a team can make 15 to 23s a game rather than defending or preventing a team from shooting that, I think it's just harder. So um, I think 360 Uh, Plus 360 to make the playoffs for the Pacers is great value. I think they're currently sitting fifth. I don't think they're going to go. I don't think their office is going to regress that much, to be honest. I think they have two really good uh, backcourt players in Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. We all love, you know, Benedict Matherin here as the Rookie of the Year um, candidate, maybe a Sixth Man of the Year candidate. And I think uh, not only do they have elite shooting, but Miles Turner is doing great, you know, defending the 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 interior and get grabbing rebounds. So again, Rick Carl does really, really well in the regular season. Getting to the playoffs is one thing. Winning the playoffs is a different thing.
1: A lot of franchises, I would feel pretty confident in them shifting perspective and being like, this is not what we want to do. Like this team is, does not have a championship window. Like you can't see down the line being a contender but they're owned by Herb Simon, who very much is proud of the franchise, has tried to keep them competitive, has been really successful, honestly. Like, the Pacers have been a good franchise over his tenure.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think uh, also financially, if you're in Indiana, the spot, like, it helps you to make the playoffs. You want ticket sales for the regular season. You want the playoff gate. You want the uh, revenue. So, uh I- I don't like, again, I think that they should absolutely be like, let's slow down a little bit, guys. But I just don't know if they're going to. I'm not willing to bet the plus 360, but it did cross my mind this weekend as I try and adjust to the new reality of just how good that they've been. All right. Finally, real quick, we're going to do our if you had to bet the awards. We do this every week. And we just say if you had to bet the awards, I'll let you know if we actually bet them or not. We'll start with MVP. Look, I I bet this pretty consistently, I've been adding my portfolio. Steph Curry at this number is just, it's stupid. Steph Curry is 10 to one. Why why is Steph Curry plus a thousand? What? I I, I don't care. Look, you said earlier, you're like, I don't think they're gonna be a top four seed. Are they? Because I don't see that many tough teams in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. I think the Suns are really good. I think the Nuggets are really good. Other than that, the Blazers? Like, Mm -hmm. if we look at the standings, I don't have a whole lot of reason here to be scared about... The Warriors being able to make a run. Uh Grizzlies, I continue to feel are not we're starting to see them kind of slide. They're five and five in their last 10. Yes, they've had injuries, but that's part of the equation. Um, the Pelicans are gonna be, I think, really good, but I'm not sure that they're gonna be top four in that category. The Clippers are, are have gotten it together. They're they're 12 and nine now. They're starting to get separation, even with a terrible offense. Clippers will be in that conversation. But look, if Steph keeps this up and they're on pace, if they were go on a winning streak and they wind up with 47, 48, 49, 50 wins. Steph's numbers are going to put him in the
0: conversation man I fully agree I think Steph Curry at plus 1000 is honestly a travesty on on the market's part like he is by far um, one of the big contenders. He should be in the 400 range, in my opinion. Um, but when you mentioned the Pelicans, I think I'm going to go out on the limb and say they will finish in the top four, Matt. I love the Pelicans this year. I think from a regular season standpoint, they want to finish in the top four, which is different from someone like the Warriors where they just want to be healthy. Uh, who do you like for MVP if you had to bet now? Yeah, right now I mentioned them. I, I I do like Jason Tatum at plus 370 on the FanDuel right now. I think he's the best player on the best team, and I think they're going to end up winning over 80% of their games, which is absurd. Um, but looking at you know the previous MVP here, two-time MVP, Nik- Nikola Jokic, deservingly so, um, but his team records weren't that great, right? Last season he finished 48-34, and 34, or the Nuggets finished 48-34, before that 47-25 in a shortened season um so when I looked at that record I was like if the Mavericks can get there if they can get to 45 wins is this Luka's award to lose because his numbers are absurd he's still the number one um you know points per game average in the league and I was doing a filter earlier out of all the guys that average 20 or more points in the league he has the second most steals Luka Doncic averages 1.7 steals a game which is Honestly, that jumped off the page more than any other statistic that I looked at. Um, So I think Luca's numbers are going to be there for sure. And if the Mavericks can get, you know, 45, 47 wins like the Nuggets last year, I think it's his award to lose. And it's really telling to me, Matt, that even in this slide that the Mavericks are going through, I think they've lost seven of the last 10 games. The odds haven't changed. It's still Luca and Giannis top two. And some books still have uh, Luca as the number one favorite. So I think this brings an interesting kind of, again,
1: if then equation, if you're like, well, I don't think that the Mavs can win 45 games. I don't think that they're good enough to get there. Well, then you need to be looking because there's a plus 195 for the Mavericks to miss the playoffs. Mm. If you don't think that they're going to win 45 games, they're going to be in the play in and there's a very good possibility that they can lose that spot. Those teams will be pretty good. Um, so there's probably value there if you do think they can win 45, then yeah, I think Luca. Look, my position on Luca is set, I've already got enough in on Luca. One of the things that's kind of interesting is Giannis has the same usage or a higher usage now than Luca, which I was really surprised at when I saw uh. that this morning when I did the MVP look. Um, he has an absolutely ridiculous 39% usage rate that's highest among the top six in MVP uh odds at FanDuel. Luca's at thirty nine point four, and B is at thirty seven point nine. Luca's all the way down now at thirty seven point eight. Luca does lead most of the advanced categories because of his his contributions across the board statistically. I think that there are better values on the board right now, but I do think that Luca, like, if you want if you want to be able to say, I just want a guy that's going to be in the top three voting come March, and then I can figure out my position. Luca's going to be in that conversation, like no matter what happens, Luca will be in that conversation. Let's go to six man. I have a weird one. Um, so this player is even listed (laughs) right now at at FanDuel, but I just wanted to kind of mention him as like a guy to look out for. And and people are going to think this is very strange. Alec Burks. Okay. If a book actually is brave enough to put him on the board, put Alec Burks on the board, you, you cowards. Um, Burks actually averages the second most points per game in the last three weeks coming off the bench. So a lot of this is like, looking at how the season has evolved and Russ's numbers are starting to dip down a little bit more. He's no longer the scoring leader, obviously going to rack up the assist. He's still the favorite pool still hasn't made. He's getting a little bit better, but pool still hasn't made massive strides in that category. And you say like, all right, is Alec Burks on a terrible, horrible, really awful Pistons team going to win it? No, but what if Alec Burks gets moved in December? What if the Pistons? Because the Pistons pretty clearly took Alec Burks and Bogdanovich for their retrade So if Burks got moved to a contending team and he had the numbers boosted from early in the season, I think there's a little bit of a number there. The reason I bring him up mostly, Albert, is I do not have a good bet for this right now. I think Christian Wood's gonna wind up starting. And if Wood starts, then he's dead, then his number his bet's dead. I don't have a good value here for six man of the year. And so that's why I'm with Alec Burks. I was off the board.
0: Yeah. You see the notes on the rundown for me as well. It's, it's hard. It's, it's kind of like grasping at straws. I wanted to give Malik Beasley some yeah. some shine here. Uh, plus 2800. I think the comp with him is Norman Powell. I think they play a very similar role on each respective team, but he's averaging more points than Norman Powell. He has a better shooting percentage, he's making more threes, and he's grabbing more rebounds. So and the Utah Jazz are I think they're around the same the same record as far as the Clippers. So I want to give Malik Beasley some some props there, some shine. My thing is if the Celtics continue to dominate the regular season and win eighty percent of their games, Maybe they just win multiple awards. You know, we've seen this in the past mid-2000s when it comes to the Suns, Nash, Boris Dia, Barbosa, Mike D'Antoni. They just swept the board those couple of years there. And so maybe we see something similar. Maybe Tatum doesn't win the MVP, but they win the coach of the year and they win a sixth man of the year, something like that. So Brogdon at plus 1,400, although he doesn't have the numbers, Matt, he might have the, just the overall team success that's overwhelming and he's part of the the final three there.
1: Most improved player. Shea is minus 135. Three weeks ago when we did this, it was plus 200. A couple weeks before that, he was plus 700. Been betting it consistently. I will just keep betting it. Um, We are in the exact same spot here with Shea Gillis-Alexander. We were in with John Morant last year. makes a leap from star to superstar. His numbers are an MVP level like Jaws were last year. Shea's not going to win MVP, so I don't have to necessarily worry about that. If he's in the MVP discussion but he but he doesn't win MVP and he makes this kind of a leap. Shea's going to win it. If OKC hangs, the only thing with with this is just the direction of the Thunder. And I continue to say, I don't know conclusively that OKC is is going to shift directions. I don't know that they are or or not, but as long as they're not, then Shea Gildress Alexander, even at minus 135, has
0: really good value here. If Shea plays 60 games, Matt, and he doesn't win, I'm done with this award. Like, I'm done. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. He's not only the the clear-cut winner in this, but he's a bona fide MVP candidate right now. He's uh, third in the league in scoring he's uh, shooting 50 over 51% from the field, 92% from the free throw line. He's sixth in PER, top 6 in steals, top 20 in blocks from the point guard position map, top 20 in blocks. Mm-hmm. Um so you mentioned him uh mentioned this stat last week, stocks, steals plus blocks. I mean, he's going to be up there as one of the top if not the top guys when it's all said and done and honestly like he's playing a, like a top 5 player in the league. I know you mentioned Jason Tatum might not be um, I think it's between him. I think it's Luca, Giannis, Tatum, and Shea right now. I think they're the top four, and I think because of that, he should win this. Minus one thirty-five. I feel like it's it's like an insult. This should be much much juicier, in my opinion.
1: And finally, defensive player of the year, I'll go with Giannis plus three sixty. But I did want to talk a little bit about Evan Mobley, who is ten to one right now at FanDuel. So, the Cavs have the third best defense. Mobley's been really good. I don't know that Mobley has stood out the way that some of the other guys have. One of the problems continues to be so the leaders in this category are Brooke Lopez at plus 230 and Giannis plus 360. I worry about them cannibalizing each other's vote. Like, our guys are, are, I wonder if voters will really put, like, would they put Brooke one, Giannis two? Like, are we going to get two guys from the same? kind of category Mm -hmm. it's crazy to me that rudy is still fourth on this list i don't know how they're getting to that with how the wolf season is gone like it's just it's not a thing i think that is possible right now um we talked about all the wings and all those kind of issues bam out of bio i think is coming on strong in this category he was my pick last year and i bet him as well uh but like i think evan mobley is an interesting one but he's gonna have to make a few more highlight plays in order to get on the reel as good as he is
0: yeah. So I agree with you. I'm on Giannis big on this award as well. But I think I want to, if Mobley at 10 to 1 is good value, I think Anthony Davis, even though he won't win this, Matt, at 22 to 1 is great value as well. He is the league leader in rebounds. No one's really talking about that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's usually Gobert. It's usually, I don't know, bonus. someone who <laughs> rebounds a ton. You would never expect Anthony Davis to lead the league in rebounds. He's third in the league and blocks per game. And he's averaging over one and a half steals a game. So, I mean, he's doing everything on defense for that team, even though they are horrible. And I think the thing that really counts against him is because they are such a bad team. But if you look deeper into the stats, I went to NBA.com stats earlier today and I was like, okay, Giannis is my pick for for defensive player of the year. But let me compare Giannis with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, when you put him on the Lakers, he grabs a higher percentage of all the rebounds of his team than than Giannis. He blocks a higher percentage of the Lakers' blocks, and he uh, he steals a bigger percentage. The Lakers total steals than Giannis's Bucks teams. And I think obviously as a defensive player year award, it's more of a team award. We kind of mentioned this or discussed this earlier. So, you know, the Bucks, the Cavs, the Suns, these elite defensive teams are gonna most likely have the the award winner. But as far as the guy that's carrying the most defensive load for his team, it's Anthony Davis right now.
1: I was gonna bring up the games played, but here's an interesting one. Uh AD has played in 16 of 18 Los Angeles Lakers games. Giannis has played in 16 of 19 Milwaukee Bucks games. So AD's played in a higher percentage and they played the same number of games. So that's an interesting one. Uh it would be it'd be wild if if AD, I still don't trust AD to stay healthy, but yeah. It, that is a really good cap. I'm going to have to think on that one. That's a really that's a really good cap on that. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out FanDuel Sportsbook and the Action Network app. Follow our on Twitter at AnalyticsCavern. You can also track his picks in the award-winning Action Network app. Give us some five-star reviews, guys. We appreciate him so much. Come back tomorrow with the Best Bets episode. Until then, let's get buckets.